Ah, yes. For my fellow armchair Imagineers, this is probably one of our favorite pastimes now. Debates about what to do with the dated and congested Tomorrowland are raging online with a dizzying array of rumors within rumors. So why not add my own ideas to the madness? As is obvious by the title, this will be a two-parter. So before we dive into my specific ideas, let's take a brief spin around the park in this installment to set the table for part two. I'm going to break down Disneyland into three parts, the west side, central, and east side. We will be looking at each of these sections as it relates to the potential for future significant changes. As Walt Disney himself once said, Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. Well, given the landlocked nature of Disneyland instead of grow, it really means remade. The west side won't take long. Adventureland, which I believe is the smallest of the lands, has really no room for any significant changes unless they someday retire or do a major upgrade to Indiana Jones. Same is basically true of New Orleans Square and Critter Country. And with the entire reworking of the Rivers of America to make room for Star Wars Land, a.k.a. Galaxy's Edge, that pretty much means that the entire west side of Disneyland won't see any major changes for at least 10 to 20 years. The central strip of the park would basically include Main Street USA, Fantasyland, and Toontown. Main Street USA, with the exception of minor food and retail modifications, is looking like a very static space for the foreseeable future. The rumor that came out last year on Mice Chat was that Disney seems pretty set on turning their attention to modernizing Fantasyland after Galaxy's Edge opens up. Some of these changes will affect just improving overall crowd flow, like they are already doing with the realignment of the Dumbo queue. Other changes will mean a. renovating or plussing up existing attractions like they did with Peter Pan a few years back, or b. replacing old attractions with new ones. As far as retiring and replacing, I fear Mr. Toad's days are numbered. Personally, I wish they would target Snow White's Scary Adventures, which has the oddest ending of any Disney ride, like they just ran out of room and slapped up and they lived happily ever after at the end. They could trim the four dark rides in the castle courtyard down to two, Peter Pan and Pinocchio, and increase ride capacity, and move the queues indoor, where Snow White's Scary Adventure and Mr. Toad resided, in order to relieve congestion. They might even have enough room for ride-themed gift shops, which would make the bean counters happy. The biggest fantasy land rumors have to do with tearing down the outdoor theater presently home to Mickey's Magical Map to make room for one or two more attractions. At one point, it sounded like Anna and Elsa would be moving in, but I think Frozen is thought enough and other Disney live-action reboots have pulled in enough big bucks to make Disney rethink that move. My own ideas? Close and replace the Snow White Dark Ride, and on the footprint of the theater, plug in a version of Disney World's Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, along with anything Beauty and the Beast. The Disney execs would probably love a top-grade sit-down restaurant option in Fantasyland, so inserting Disney World's Be Our Guest makes sense to me, along with Enchanted Tales with Belle meet and greet. Above that, in Toontown, there is rumor that a ride that is in the works for Disney World, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, might be brought to the western side of that land. That would mean retirement for Gadget's Go Coaster, Chippendale's Treehouse, and possibly the Mickey and Minnie's meet and greet homes, though I'm hoping that they save those and integrate them into the ride queue. Side note, I also think it would be cool to create an eventual tunnel entrance into Galaxy's Edge from Toontown. All of that leads to the east side of Disneyland, which is mostly made up of Tomorrowland with the exceptions of the Matterhorn and It's a Small World, which are considered part of Fantasyland. Which brings me to my first observation. Those two attractions don't really fit in my mind into the realm of fantasy. Yeah, I get that the Yeti is a mythological creature terrifying passengers on those cramped bobsleds, but beyond that it doesn't seem close to the genre of fairy tale. 
and a meandering boat cruise visiting all parts of the world seems pretty grounded to me. Meanwhile, Tomorrowland has been tweaked here and there, but still feels like a mess. The last really successful edition was Star Tours in 1987, followed by a fairly popular Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters in 2005 and a Pixar retheming of the submarines in 2007. But even with those attractions in the classic Space Mountain, there just seems to be no continuity. It doesn't feel tomorrow-ish, and as was already mentioned, the traffic flow is bad thanks to the rotting remains of the old People Mover track and the poorly placed Astro Orbiter. Then there are, whether we like it or not, financial considerations. Nemo's submarines are apparently a major maintenance expense and has a low hourly ride capacity. More ride capacity equals more people equals more money for Disney. And while Autopia has huge capacity, it takes up a massive amount of real estate that could fit three to four attractions. Weaving around the northeast corner of the park is the monorail, which runs through Fantasyland, again something that breaks up the whole concept of unique lands and again takes up a huge amount of space. Okay, so enough complaining. How could this be fixed so that you have truly Disney standard immersive environments that lead to great guest experiences and more profits for the park? Well, like Snow White's Scary Adventure, I'm going to leave that unresolved until part two. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast. And remember that you can check out more of my takes on faith, social justice, and popular culture, along with other life-inspired musings, by visiting www.curtelewis.com. If you enjoyed and benefited from this and other publications featured on my website, would you take a few minutes to show your support? First, you can share it with your friends via social media, text, message, email, word of mouth, pigeon bird, cave art, whichever you prefer. Second, if you're listening on iTunes, take a few seconds to subscribe to this podcast and to give it a positive review. Lastly, you can help me to continue to produce these podcasts by making monthly or one-time financial contributions. Click on subscribe support on the website to learn more. Again, thanks so much for listening.